Welcome to the Business Intuition Podcast, the place where you can learn to trust your intuition to make business decisions without having to meditate for hours, wear crystals, or give up on coffee or wine. You don't have to leave your IQ at the door. Embrace intuitive intelligence to create a business that lights you up and finally experience the success that you deserve. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Intuitive Revolution Business. I'm super excited to have an author on the podcast today. Um, Julie Brown is the author of a book called This Shit Works, which I have started reading, which I think is just about the best book I've ever read on networking. So, Julie, would you like to introduce yourself to our audience? And we'll start a conversation about your book. Yeah. what you yeah. do, what the book has done for you, and lots of other things. Yeah. Yeah. So I apologize again for my voice. I'm having some vocal cord issues. Um, so I'm Julie Brown. I'm a networking and business development strategist. In addition to being a networking and business development strategist for major corporations, I'm, I'm located in Boston. Um, I am also a professional speaker. So my voice has been having a my voice has been being used a lot lately, which is why I'm dealing with some of this. So professional speaker, I travel around the country uh, giving talks, keynotes, workshops on networking and business development and how to build relationships in business for uh, increased uh, success in whatever company you're in, whether you're on your own or in a major corporation. And I'm kind of curious, Judy, because I know... And I don't know if you still work for an architect firm or you're linked to the architect world. Yeah. But at the same time, you have this other side of you where you support people to be more active in their networks and yep. to build their businesses. How did you get into that? I'm, I'm going to call it sidekick. And I hope that this is not an insult to you. No. But, yeah. but how, how did it happen? How did it start? So you're right. So I grew up in the architecture, engineering, and construction industry. So I worked in marketing and business development for major architecture and construction firms here in New England. I also am married to an architect. So my husband in 2010 left the job that he had been in, the architecture practice he had been in for 12 years to start his own practice. It was then when I was working at a major firm doing all of their business development and lead generation, and he started his firm and I started doing all of his business development and lead generation that I realized, oh, I can do this for multiple firms at once. And that was when the seed was planted to say, oh, I can leave working major corporations. I can start my own firm and help firms, help multiple firms at, at the same time. That's what I thought I was going to do. I thought I was just going to be a business development consultant for firms who couldn't afford to hire somebody full time. Quickly after I started the company, I started getting asked to speak on networking and business development. And those speaking engagements led to, well, more speaking engagements led to me becoming a professional speaker with the National Speakers Association, but also led to me coaching people one-on-one -on, -one on how to build their networks. And that's what also led to me saying, I need to write a book 
because at every speaking engagement, I was being asked the same questions over and over again than the question and answer. And so I said, if all of these people are asking the same questions over and over again, then I need to write a book that answers all of these questions for people so that they have um, that they have something that they can read and hold on to and learn from. So that's why I decided to write the book. Which is brilliant, but some people do the opposite, exact opposite. They start writing a book to start their speaking gig career. So yeah, that kind of yeah. fun, how you came into it. What was the interest for you behind or what, how did you, because I know you like to research things quite deeply and I love that about you. Yeah. Um, so what was, how did you, what was the knowledge that you could tap into from a past life or university or whatever studies you've done or, or skills that you acquired to be able to have that leading edge expertise on networking? Or is it just completely experimental or experiential? Well, I, you know, I think it was, you know, there's no, it's really hard. There's no way for you to say, I'm an expert at this. Like I have a degree, I have a master's, I have whatever in networking. Cause there, that doesn't exist. So in order to become an expert at it, you have to, you have to put in the 10,000 hours. You have to have done it for so long. And when I realized that I had been doing it for so long and I had a skill set and that this skill set was super, super important for increased success to help other yeah. people, especially women, because women network differently than men and women don't network as much as men. So for me, it was like, okay, I have, I have the 10,000 plus hours to call myself an expert. I am being called an expert by my peers. Like that, that was what gave me the, the confidence to go out and call myself an expert and to write a book because I had at the time when I started writing the book, I had 17 years of experience doing networking and business development. So. Wow. That's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> so there's a little bit of a story that might um, pique the interest of our, our audience about how you found the perfect coach to help you write a book when I will hazard a guess that you had no clue where to start. Yeah. So um, like most people who try to write their first book, I tried to write it by myself and just, it just failed. Like I was trying for about a year and a half to write it by myself, not realizing, I don't know the first thing about writing a book. Like, why am I trying to do this on my own without any help? Like, would I try to bake a cake without a recipe? No. Why am I trying to write a book without help? And so I, I worked for about a year and a half on a book and it didn't go anywhere. And so I started this was at the same time that my speaking career was starting to kick off. So I went to a two day speakers conference and on the second day I happened to, a, a woman happened to sit down next to me at the conference. And I had seen her the day before cause it was a speakers conference. So we were writing stories and speaking on the stage to the group. Um, but I had seen her the day before, but I hadn't met her. And she sat down next to me and she said, Oh, I just, you know, I loved the speech you gave yesterday. I just wanted to talk to you and get to know you. And then in the course of our conversation, I said, well, what do you do for a living? And she said, I'm a ghost writer and a book writing coach. And it was like divine intervention. Like somebody put her in the seat next to me. And I just said to her, I was like, I've been struggling to write this book for a year and a half. Like, can we get together? So we got together after, um, 
after that conference and I learned her process and I learned, you know, what the investment was to hire a coach. And I was going back and forth in my mind, trying to decide, because as a solopreneur, you have to be very judicious with where you spend your money. So I was going back and forth and yeah, I was always going back and forth in my mind. Am I going to invest in, in, am I going to invest the funds in a book writing coach? And I was kind of like waiting for somebody to tell me, yes, this was the right thing to do. And in the course of, of vetting her, this book writing coach, I had had her CV. I had, I knew what books she had ghostwritten. I knew what books she had helped write. My, I have a friend who is an author, a published author. He's written 12 books. His books have been optioned for movies. Like, and he had vetted her and said, she's great. And I, so all of those things should have been enough, but I was like, okay, I need one more thing. And I was driving in the car and I was listening to this program here called on, on MSNBC called morning Joe. And they were interviewing an author whose book had just come out. And I knew that my woman that I was interviewing wrote that woman's book. And she was sitting there on cable news talking about her book. And that was it. Like, I was like, okay, I, enough things have pointed in the direction of me saying, just do that. Like, what are you waiting for? Just do it. And she was, I, I couldn't, I, I could not have had a better experience than working with her. We worked together for 14 months on my book. And from, from meeting her to 14 months, I had a published book. So Wow. Yeah. And I love that you were just like waiting for more and more signs. It was like like more. I was like, (laughs) give me more. And like, finally, the world was like, this is enough. Either you make a decision or you don't. (laughs) And um, I like that you talked about, you know, being really um, careful about investing and making that decision. Is it worth investing in a book? Um, Looking back, when, when, what year did you publish your book? I published it in 2020, um, mm-hmm. June 2020, like during the pandemic. So it was a terrible time to publish in the sense of I didn't get to do all the things that authors get to do. I didn't get to do book book signings and like book launches and in the sense of what you normally think of. But the book was so needed at the time because people were trying to figure out how they were going to network and do business development and build relationships virtually. And I had kind of gone in and changed right before in March, right before um, the book had gone to print, I went in and put a virtual networking section in the book. So that, that was there for people um, during the pandemic. So that was, that was kismet timing for that. So. Brilliant. And, and um, when did you launch your podcast? Was it after the book? Yeah. So the, okay. So the book is called this shit works networking your way to more friends, more adventures and more success. And then the book was doing so well. So the book launched in published in June and quite quickly, I had people saying to me, well, when are you going to write another book? And I was just like, if if you've ever written a book, you have this, there's like a hangover you have from writing a book. It just takes so much out of you. And you can't possibly think of getting back into that. It's, it's, it is another job. It is like having another client. It's like having another job writing a book. And so I said, well, I can't do that um, right now. And a lot of my speaking gigs had been uh, postponed or canceled. And so I was sort of chomping at the bit bit for, uh, for, for, uh, speaking gigs again. So I said, well, I'm just going to launch a podcast 
so that I can continue to disseminate useful information, but I can do it um, with my voice. And so in August, late August of 2020, I launched the podcast, which is also called This Shit Works. And and it has been it has been one of the best business decisions I've ever made from a position of increased social proof. I get to meet amazing people, um, either be having them be a guest on my podcast. And it has led to more speaking engagements for me and also additional clients. Like it, it has definitely taken me from a geographic region where I was just had clients, you know, in New England to now I have clients all over. So it, it, it's really been great. So would you say both the book and the podcast have been a really good investment for you? A hundred percent. I mean, a hundred percent. It's just, it just adds so many levels of social proof to my expertise. So when somebody Googles me, like you're going to find my YouTube channel and you're going to find my book and you're going to find my podcast and you can vet me. You don't have to call me and ask me if I'm a good speaker. Like you can vet me and then reach out to me when you know you want to book me, <laughs> you know? That's amazing. That's really amazing. And, and well done you for taking that risk because it's not an easy one. It's such an investment in time and money. It's both of them. Isn't for sure. It? For sure. And without necessarily an immediate return, like when you do yep. some networking, you get a client, that's it, job done. <laughs> With the book, it can take more and it can take longer. I don't know. What was your experience with that? Well, you said the book worked really well. Well, the books, I mean, I mean, there's never one thing. I mean, I think as business owners, whether you are an entrepreneur or whether you work for another company, there's never one silver bullet to getting new clients or to, you know, increasing your social proof and your personal brand. Like there's never one silver bullet. So it's always, it's always the mixture of things that you do consistently. So the podcast is consistent. The book is always there for people. Um, I, you know, build relationships on, on a weekly basis. Like I'm strengthening the relationships I have and I'm meeting new people on a weekly basis. So it's never just one thing. It's, oh, it's always a combination of all of the efforts that you undertake for your business. I agree. I, I have one little question that popped up and I found I'm kind of entertaining it and, and having fun with it is, did you ever think that you would write a book when you were little, maybe, or, or later no. in life? Or that it just landed on you? No, point. I, and I love books. I love, I'm a voracious reader. I love reading. Um, and I've never read a book and thought, no, oh, I haven't written this, you know, like that. That was never something that came to me. But again, for me, it was being a professional speaker and being on the speaker, speaker circuit, you're, you know your content inside and out and you have so much content. And again, like I said, I was, I was delivering the content and I knew it worked because people were, for, were emailing me and sending me letters thanking me for my tips and, and explaining how to network differently and helping them through sticky situations. Like, what do I do in this and this? And so I knew the content worked. I just needed to figure out how to get it into, into a format where it was easily digestible and that people wouldn't get bored reading it because you can get bored reading business books or books about entrepreneurship. Absolutely. 
and and I want to say, as I said, I've started reading it. I we I want to share very briefly how we met, um, mm-hmm. because that is a fun part as well. Yep. Um, of of your podcast, I found your podcast. I don't even know how I found it, but I decided <laughs> to pitch you. Uh, because I knew in my bones that intuition can play such an amazing part in networking. I think we might have been in the same group of the podcast collaborative or something like that. I, I saw your remember. name. I saw your name and I thought, I want to pitch that girl. So, uh, but I, I can see looking back that you actually, you go out and seek out your de- guests. It's not usually yep. someone who pitches you. Yep. But I just did it anyway. And the funniest thing is you told me later that it was literally on the day that you were thinking, how am I going to find someone to talk about intuition on my podcast? I yep. have no idea who to talk to. Yep. So the proof was in the pudding in the way that... <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was, it was, it was scary. It was like, I decided to do a series on relationships. Uh, I called it the woo woo series. So I decided to talk about numerology and I decided to talk about intuition and mantras and all of these different things, which, which again, like somebody's going to say, Oh, how is she a hardcore networker when she's talking about these things? And, and the, the truth is everything that affects us affects the way we build relationships. So if we're more in tuned with a lot of different things, will that make us, will that help us be more in tuned or more open to meeting new people? So that's what the Woo Woo series was about. And I could easily find the numerology person and I found the mantra person. And then I was just like, where am I going to find this person who talks about business intuition as an entrepreneur? And literally the next day you sent me an email and you were like, I'm a, I do business intuition. I was like, hot damn. (laughs) I was like, okay, did I manifest it? Did you manifest it? (laughs) Maybe it was because I knew intuition works the other way around. It finds you or it brings the person to you. And that that's fun for me. That's fun. I, a couple of weeks after I was on your podcast, it was released quite a long time later. Yeah. I thought, mm-hmm. I want to go and look at this girl up because I really enjoyed your podcast. That's actually one of the major um, vectors in me wanting to be on your podcast is because I found your podcast so much fun, so informative. <laughs> I like that you share cocktails at the end of every of your episodes. <laughs> I was yeah. slightly disappointed that actually you didn't have a proper cocktail for my interview in the you. What you was yours? Com- I don't remember. I think it was kombucha or something like that. Oh, I was like, hard kombucha yeah. though. Cause it's like earthy crunchy, you know, yeah. like. but <laughs> it was fun anyway. I love hard kombucha. <laughs> um, so I bought your book and, and then it sat a little while with me cause I'm up a book nerd as well. I love books. I love research. And I had actually never been to a networking event in my entire life. I know. Okay. How can you be in business without going for a network to a networking event for 10 years? I have no idea. But but that I I understand why. It's because I'm like um, a massive introvert. And I've realized in the past year that I'm actually autistic. So it's something that scares me probably more than any person on earth, the idea of networking. I, I just couldn't face it. So I decided to buy the bullet and to get on with it. And so I started reading your book and I started applying what you, what you say in your book. So this was very, very good because in um, chapter three, you ask people to do, what do you call that? The list? Oh, the list yourself approach. 
Yes. Yeah. Which one of my favorites. It's one of my favorite things. Yeah. And I was like, oh, she's onto something. I could feel my intuition tingling and saying, this is going to really help you, girl. Um, because I don't think of myself as particularly interesting. I've been Nobody always does. awkward. Yeah. But yeah, but probably when you've been on the fringe of society for so long as a misfit, it's, it even rings, you know, more bells mm -hmm. or it feels more familiar. And I want to share for the people on YouTube that my little list, because I was going to send it to you and I haven't done that yet. And I apologize, Julie, because I really want to send it to you. And when I looked at it, I was like, actually, I'm quite an interesting person. <laughs> and armed with that, I chose a theme of what I was going to talk about with people. And I also love when you talk about the, the big questions, not to, mm -hmm. not to talk about the small stuff, but go directly for the jugular, ask people big <laughs> questions. And that worked a treat. Mm -hmm. It actually worked a treat on that first networking event, which was only a month and a week ago. Um, I would have probably drove right back to my house if I hadn't had your book so that's how much your 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 book has helped me and how grateful I am and it worked so well that it literally it's like something was switched off that fear was switched off all mm -hmm. of a sudden and I was able to realize that actually I'm a brilliant networker it's just because they have these layers of beliefs and sure rubbish that I've accumulated over time. I love connecting people. I had in my mind, I always had these little dot, these little things that go all over the place. And like, oh, I know this person and I know this person, but because yeah. I'm not an extrovert. And I think a lot of the stuff that people talk about networking is, is really, I would say promoting the extrovert type of networking. I agree. Does that make and sense to you? It does. And so here's the thing. I'm, there are so many books out there for introverts that lead you to believe that there's something wrong with being introverted, like networking for introverts or how do you come out of your shell or like whatever. Like there's absolutely nothing wrong with being in, uh, being an introvert. And the truth is for extroverts, like I clearly fall on the extrovert spectrum of, you know, if I'm going to go from ambivert to extrovert, I'm like towards the extrovert side of the spectrum. Um, I can go into a room and talk to anybody. Big friggin' deal. You know, like the, the best part about networking is being able to have these one-on-one -on -one conversations where you have something, you find out what you have in common you find out that you like each other. You find out that you would want to work together and you have ways of following up. So if I go into a networking event and I talk and there's, say there's a hundred people in the networking event, I'm like, oh, I talked to everybody there. Well, did I really have a useful conversation? Do I really have a way of easily following up with somebody? Extroverts talk too much because the best part of networking and the best tool for networking is listening. And introverts do that the best. So I'd like to put the kibosh on the, this theory, this idea, this held belief that extroverts are better networkers than introverts because they're not. They're just more, they're just, they're just better at initiating first conversations. They're not better at having in-depth conversations. Yeah. And I, I really appreciate you for that, even though I wouldn't want 
extroverts to feel bad about their networking skills. <laughs> they don't really need the accolade or the help because they already no. have that confidence. So I felt that you, even though I think your book is for everyone who mm. wants to really take it to the next level because it has tips for everyone, yep. even probably seasoned networkers because it's so fresh. I don't know what to say about it. It's this things that I hadn't thought about. And immediately when I read it in your book, I'm like, of course it makes sense. Everything <laughs> makes sense. Yeah, It makes sense on a big, big scale. So what I had chosen to go into my networking event is talk about traveling because I have traveled yes. the world. Yep. And I love traveling and I'd actually miss it a lot. And it was a good th conversation to have because in the UK, we've just opened up traveling again. People yep. can go where they want. And so it was the perfect opening line. And because I'm French and I was the only French person in a room of lots of local English people yeah. who probably were actually living where they were born. Right. Um, the traveling bit was quite interesting as well. And then we moved on a bit to culture and yep. different bits. And that was that was really good. And I think people remembered me for it. Um, so, yeah. It's funny because everybody knows that I'm from networking. Everybody knows that I'm a huge world traveler as well. And so it's the first question I get when somebody hasn't seen me in a while. Oh my God, tell me about your latest trip or tell me where you're going next. It's just, it just, when people, the more people know about you and you're willing to share the easier it easier it is for them to connect with you and reconnect with you. And that's the building and maintaining relationships is like 80% of building and maintaining relationships is having that reason to connect and reconnect and follow up. So I was just about on the part of the following up bit. You have so many good tips as well. One of them yeah. that, that really stood out, I took some notes actually, I'd like to go and look at my notes, was a, this never too late to reconnect. And I love never. that advice because yep. you can get completely stuck in, oh, I haven't contacted them. How are they going to yeah. react? Are they going to yep. put, you know, be put off? But most people are too busy to think about that. And they're just right. happy when you connect, aren't they? Yeah. So I did, I actually did a podcast episode about this called the five words that will reconnect you to anyone. And that those five words are, I've been thinking about you and it doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter if it's been five minutes since you saw them or five years since you saw them saying, I've been thinking about you makes the other person feel special. You could say, I heard a song and it made me think of you. I read this article and it made me think of you. I saw a picture of us on my phone, on Facebook or whatever, and it made me think about you. Like, that's all you have to say. There is no, there's no bridge of time that can't be, that we can't go across if we remove the fear we have of rejection. Cause that's what it is. Like, cause you're afraid like, oh, it's been too long. They're not going to want to talk to me. Like, well, just if we remove these fears of rejection and just think about how good it will make the other person feel. If we say, I've been thinking about you, that's super important. The second thing about it is there's been studies called the, uh, the power of weak ties. So there's been a lot of studies on the power of weak ties and in business. So say in business, if you're, if you're struggling with a problem with your business and you normally go to the same people for advice on how to get over something in your business, how to get past a, an issue. Um, if you go to the same people, you're getting the same responses a lot. You're getting the same um, sort of knowledge-based responses. But there was a study out of MIT, out of Massachusetts Institute of Technology a number of years ago that's, that took business owners who were struggling with the problem and 
half of the business owners reached out to people that they talked to all the time to help them come up with a solution. And half of the business owners could only reach out to somebody that they hadn't spoken to in, in more than three years. And so they had to get over the fear of reaching out to somebody that they hadn't spoken to in more than three years, but it was unanimous. It was across the board that this, the solutions to the problems, the ones that were the most useful were the ones that came from people who, that reached out to somebody they hadn't talked to in more than three years. Cause it's like brand new ideas and brand new perspectives and brand new ways of thinking. So it, it's, it's super important for networking to be able to reach out to those weak ties. And so make that part of your networking journey. Okay. Who were, what are the list of the top 10 people, 20 people, 30 people that I haven't talked to in more than three years and let's start reconnecting with them. Cause there's so much power in those weak ties. Wow. And it's, it's true. It makes sense as well. Everything makes sense when you present it that way, but yeah. we can be so stuck in a rut in our little habits. Yep. And you know what? Looking back on my life, I've always wanted to meet people who were different. I've never been interested to actually, you know, um, socialize with people. I was born in the same circles because I could feel the excitement about the difference and the richness of the different approach, whether it's cultural, whether it's linguistic, whether it's something mm -hmm. else. Yeah. Um, it makes things also a lot more fun because you learn more, don't you? Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, and, and that, you just have to say like, what, what is the knowledge coming at me? What are the reactions to my questions? Am I getting the same response? Is it a homogenous response? And if it is, you really need to expand the, the groups, the cultures of people that you are going to for, for, for information and answers. Hmm. You also talk about having a system and pre getting prepared for conferences. Yep. And I love that. So do you want to share a, a tiny, well, maybe your top tip uh, with the audience so that then they can get a taste for your book and want to go and buy it? I've, I've already well, had I mean, several people buy your book already, but. Um. <laughs> so the truth is, is we, most people go into networking events or conferences and they go into them without doing any sort of pre-work where there's nothing else in our life that is important to us that we don't actually spend the time doing sort of prep work for and getting prepared for. We prepare for so many things in our lives, but we think we're just going to be able to walk into networking events or walk into conferences and have successful conferences without any prep work. So I always say networking events happen the start of those networking events happen a couple of weeks before the actual event. And for conferences, major conferences. Now I'm a conference girl. Like I grew up conferencing. I've gotten multiple jobs from conferencing. Conferencing for me happens over a month before the conference, like two months before the conference. You have to understand who's going and, to, and, and whether it's a conference or a networking event, who's going to be in that room? Like who are the potential people I would be having conversations with? Um, have I met them before and we re need to reconnect or are they new people that I should be connecting with? What kind of research can I do on them in advance to find out, you know, what we have in common, what co common connections we have for conferences? It's okay. Who's going to be there? 
Will I be able to find carve out time to spend with them at their booth or are they a speaker? Will I reach out to them in advance of their speaking engagement and say, I'm really excited to hear you speak. So as a keynote speaker myself, I love that when somebody reaches out to me and says, I'm, I'm attending this conference and I know you're the keynote speaker and I'm so looking forward to hearing you like that makes me feel good. And then when they come up to me after the speech, like we have, we've already had this sort of initial back and forth and it helps me remember them. So reaching out to people in advance, making sure you're spending time at the conference. So don't go to a conference with your computer and work in your, in your hotel room all day. Like go to the conference and get what you can out of the conference, make friends at the conference, uh, go to all the networking events at the conference and get as much out of that conference as you can. And then on the back end of the conference, um, after the event, now conference or networking event, like on the back end, the next day, make sure you carve out time for yourself to send those emails to the people that you met that say, oh my God, it was so great meeting you at this event, at this session, at whatever. I loved our conversation about this and this and this. I'm going to send you an article on this because you mentioned that you were interested in this. Hey, let's continue this conversation. Do you have time for coffee or a Zoom or whatever? And give them options for action items, for dates, for that, so that you you are taking follow-up into the next step. So events and conferences they start, they, the initial reach out is before, Hey, are you going to the conference? Hey, do you want to travel together? If it's just an event. I love event, what you said in your book about the fact that traveling time can also yep. be networking time. It is. And I, mean, I love that. I, when I'm, when I'm flying to conferences and I know that a large portion of the people that I know in Boston are going to be flying somewhere. I try to, we all try to get on the same flights together. We network at the airport. We are on the flight. We Uber wow. to the hotels together. Um, don't, there's so many little pieces of conferencing that you can carve out these really, really special networking times in. And so don't, you have to think of the conferences before, during, and after. And you know what? I think you're inspiring me to pluck up the courage to sign up for my first conferences. Now that you've moved me through my, my first networking event, <laughs> I've you actually done quite hard. a few. It's hard. So I, for example, so I'm, I've been doing my job for 22 years, but I have been a professional speaker for only the past few years. And so this year I decided to go to Vegas for the National Speakers Association. So this is a conference of my peers, which I didn't know one person who was going to be there. So I'm flying across the country to go to a conference of people. I have no idea who's going to be there. Um, never been before, but I did exactly what I, what I tell other people to do. I reached out to people in advance. Like I went on the national speakers association, Facebook page and Instagram page and on the app. And I started reaching out to people and letting them know, this is my first conference. I hope we have a chance to meet while we're out there and setting up things in advance, um, of being in Vegas. And then when I was at in Vegas, I took advantage of every opportunity to meet new people and have conversations and go to dinner with people. And then on the back end of it, when I came home, I made sure that all of those people that I met went into my database and that I emailed them all. And then it's been, it's been, I don't know, six months since five months since the conference. Um, 
I'm still in contact with all of those people and I'm building those relationships with those people. So that next year, and this is the thing about conferencing, you get better and better and better at it. The more times you go to the same conference, cause you, you don't know anybody. And then you have a group of people that, you know, and then you see each other every year. So I'm already excited. It's in Nashville in July next year. I'm already super excited to go next year because I get to see my friends that I wouldn't have seen in a year since the last conference. So conferencing can be scary because you walk in and there's, you feel like everybody knows each other and you don't know anybody, but that's only that like lasts for a hot minute. Like, and then you meet people and then you start making friends and it just gets easier and easier and easier every year. Wow. So I have a question for you, if you don't mind, because you know what an unusual business I have. Uh, I haven't met another um, business intuition, you know, mentor before. What kind of conference would you recommend I, I go to if I was to pick one, like tomorrow that I want to attend maybe in the new year. I want to work with mainstream entrepreneur. This is my jam mainstream because I'm not interested at all in spiritual entrepreneurs. I'm not being rude here. Uh, there's enough people who teach about psychic gifts and intuition to this crowd. And I felt that for me, the, my niche is the middle road. Mm-hmm. People who have an open mind, who are entrepreneurs and who are curious about yeah. intuition. So the first thing for you and for your listeners is to decide, do you want a conference where you're potentially meeting clients or do you want a peer group? Because those are two different conferences and they're both very, very important. You have to have conferences where you go to meet potential clients and you actually have to, you have to have a peer group as well. They don't have to do exactly what you do. Like the speakers at NSA don't talk about networking. They talk about other things, but they are my peer group. So the first for for yourself and for the listeners is, do I want a conference of peer groups or do I want a conference of potential clients? And then for you, if it's the clients like dial down, okay who is my perfect client? Is it, is it only females or is it, or is it mixed gender? Like, okay, if it's only females, then we can look at women's conferences. And if it's women's conferences and you can dial, you can keep dialing down into a niche. So that's what I would do. I would say, what is my ideal client? What conferences would they be going to? Mm, That kind of, uh, yeah, it does make sense. So I wouldn't say I want to work only with women, but it's mm-hmm. probably my starting point sure. um, to get into, you know, an arena. Yeah. And I would say probably executive coaches. Mm-hmm. So do you have anything in mind, a specific? Well, I'm sure I'm not saying are. that you do my homework. I will do my research as yeah, well, I'm, but I'm just curious. I'm sure there are, you, you have to, so this is where, people don't even realize how much like I Google things like Google is my best friend when I'm trying to figure like, because networking is so much about doing your research ahead of time so that you know exactly what room you're supposed to be in and who you're supposed to be talking to. So I would, I would start with honestly, like a Google search of conferences for executive coaches, conferences for entrepreneurial coaches. Like that's where I would start. And just start writing down all the ones that are available and then go look at what what their offerings are as as far as their previous programs and conferences. And you can kind of see, okay, this one's really legit. This one has a great following. This one has a lot of attendees. Like you can kind of dial down from there. That sounds like a great plan. It's obvious for you, but I think 
it's nice that we're looking at something more concrete so we can give yeah. some examples for our listeners. Yeah. So yeah. thank you for that. Um, okay. So um, what else would you like to tell us about your book, the work that you do? Um, you know, what, who's your ideal client? I'm curious. You know, it depends. So, so I kind of have three different offerings. So one is I work with major corporations to teach their teams how to, how to build networks, figure out how to put together a pipeline of leads, organize their. So the truth is, is like 86% of companies know that relationships affect their profitability, but only 26% of companies actually have a strategy for building relationships. So if only 26% of companies have a strategy for building relationships and you have a strategy for building relationships, you are ahead of 74% of your competition because we know that relationships affect our bottom line and affect our profitability and our success. So I work with major corporations to say, okay, let's Let's get a handle on what our relationships are. What is the status of our relationships? Um, what is the strength of our relationships? As far as our competition goes, where, how strong are their relationships? Like, what, what are they doing that maybe you're not doing? So I work with a lot of companies on this, the strengths, understanding the strengths of their relationships, understanding why they haven't been able to penetrate new markets because they don't have relationships in those markets. So coming to, with coming together with strategies on going after new markets and new, tar new targets. So I work with a lot of corporations in that way. The sec my second thing that I do is obviously the professional speaking, which is I either get hired at conferences to do keynotes at conferences or companies hire me for off-site sales retreats or principals, you know, off-site trips that they bring in speakers for. Uh, I do a lot of that. And then the third um, uh, offering that I have is I do work one-on-one -on -one with people to try to tackle what maybe is holding them back from visibility. Because if anything, networking is visibility. It's putting yourself out there. It's, it's trying to build relationships. So we tackle what is maybe holding you back from networking. What what do you think you're really good at networking and what do you think you need help on? Okay, so let's tackle those things. Let's put together a plan of, okay, these are the, like kind of like we did with you for the, the conference. Okay, where, where are we going to be putting ourselves in the next six to 12 months? Okay, okay, let's come up with a plan for those places where we're going to be putting ourselves to be building relationships. So I work one-on-one -on -one with individuals um, they don't have to be entrepreneurs. A lot of times people in major corporations just see the value of um, putting together a business development, uh, a networking strategy plan. And I work with them one-on-one -on -one, um, for their, even though they sit within major corporations. So those are like the three ways that I, the three offerings, the three ways that I work with people or companies. That sounds amazing. Really good work as well. Do you <laughs> plan... You. Ever to train someone in what you do so that you can have more of Julie's out there in the world? <laughs> you know, um, I don't know. I don't know. Um, it's it's definitely my company is six years old in in January. It's something I think about um, as far as like what happens when I want to retire. Like, does does Julie Brown BD just shut the doors and that's it? You know, I'm, I'm far from that point. You know, I'm only forty five, so I'm far from that point. But I, I think about it. it. It's just, 
I don't know. I'm not sure. Like I certainly, as far as speeches go, like I have to give those speeches. And as far as like working one-on-one with somebody that I feel like that has to be me as well. So it's, I don't know. I haven't seen a clear line into the future on that question. Oh, it's just a curiosity question. I, I didn't expect you to have yeah. you know, any. No, I think about it a lot that. though. I think about it a lot. I'm thinking of that because I don't, I haven't come across anyone as original, as a thinker, as a networker, as you before. And, and when that happens, you got to think, well, I'm not saying that you should, but it <laughs> brings the question in, you know, how could I make a bigger impact? There's only one of right. me. And if right. I had more people who thought and, and acted like me and who trained other people like me, then the world could be a very different place. So do you have like some sort of legacy that you'd like to leave? I'm just curious. I'm just prompting I mean, you a bit. I, I don't feel know. like, I mean, I don't, I mean, you don't have, I don't feel like my legacy has to be big. I know that I've already helped people, I've helped change people's careers, or at least the way they feel about themselves walking into a room. So I don't think the impact has to be huge for it to be. Um, no, absolutely not. It has not. to be a lot of people for it to, to, to be important work. So I'm just no. going to keep doing what I'm doing, I guess. Yeah, and you do it really well. And I'm very happy that you are. I really see the, the value in what you're offering. And, and I'm also very, very grateful you coming on today, given that you had a back voice. And still oh, I know. Showing I'm sorry. Up. I feel bad that this is not my normal voice. I feel bad if this voice is annoying your listeners, but <laughs> I'm it's sort of smooth, it feels. Um, okay. I don't feel distracting at all. So please don't feel self conscious about it. So where can people find you and find your book? Sure. So they can go to my website, which is juliebrownbd.com, or they can, my book is on Amazon or Barnes and Noble. This shit works on Amazon and Barnes and Noble. Or every Wednesday, um, my podcast comes out every Wednesday um, at five o'clock Eastern Standard Time in the US. Um, and that's on wherever you get your podcasts, that, that podcast comes out wherever you get your podcasts. Um, or people can email me. I'm not afraid of giving my email. My email is julie at juliebrownbd.com. So those are the major ways to get in touch with me, I guess. I'm on Instagram too, juliebrown underscore bd. Yeah, I don't think you're very active on Facebook, are you? But you're on LinkedIn no, as well. It's mostly, oh, or LinkedIn. People can send me a message on LinkedIn and say that they found me here. Um, I don't accept LinkedIn requests from people who don't say where they found me because I just think that's weird. Um, so just say if they, you, I'm, I'm Julie Brown. Put me BD. on the podcast, yeah. Yeah, I'm Julie Brown BD on LinkedIn. So they can reach out to me there. So I'm most, I'm most, uh, I spend most of my time as far as social goes on LinkedIn and Instagram. Okay. Well, thank you very much for coming today, Julie. Yeah. It's been a pleasure. Um, I'm actually wondering if we'll meet in person one day and that would be a, an absolute pleasure. Yeah. But in the meantime, um, I wish you the best. And I want to thank our audience for listening to this episode, which has been truly enlightening. So thank you so much. Thanks for having me. It was great. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Business Intuition Podcast. If you like this episode, make sure you subscribe, give us a rating, and if you haven't done it yet, write a review so that more listeners can enjoy this podcast. Don't forget to join my free group on Facebook, Business Intuition for Female Entrepreneurs. 
and go onto my website to download my free workbook on the four steps to trust your intuition in business. My website is theintuitionrevolution.co.uk.